up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. I love the fact that y'all checking out the People's Party and showing us a lot of love. You know what we do? We're bringing you all the live guests. We're bringing you the best podcast on the internet. Just make sure you subscribe and leave a review. People's Party, Talib Kweli. Let's go. Peace of love, party people. It's Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. You are now in tune with another fantastic episode of the People's Party. I got my peoples having a party over there, Jasmine Lee. Give it up for Jasmine Lee, party people. Yeah. Good evening, good evening, kind sir. How you feeling? I'm feeling amazing. You've been having a good time with this show. Oh, I've been having a blast with this show. I've been getting people <laughs> sliding in my DMs, telling me how beautiful I am. It's amazing. Yeah, shout out to everybody in the Up Rocks comments section who be, uh, you know, harassing Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> um, today's guest is a friend of mine. He is a supremely, supremely gifted MC. He is a West Coast classic icon, but like he is fond of saying, he is not from the West Coast. He is from the Rap Coast. He has a lot of albums. Starting with his first album called Planet Asia, all the way to his new album called The Golden Buddha. He is so prolific. It's the gold chain god, the Cali agent, the majestic lord. Give it up for Planet Asia in the place to be. Yeah. Peace. Peace, God. Yeah, buddy. How you feeling? I'm good, man. Mm. We started doing the show. Jared was like, we got to get some real rappers on this mm-hmm. show. Man, it's looking good. I'm on the outside looking in. You looking okay. real CNN-ish over there. <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> the yes. hip-hop uh, hey, you know, upper echelon I got to get podcast. my uh, Gil Noble on. Yeah. This Gil Noble uh, Like It Is bars. That's you know what I'm saying? I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're supposed to Google on the You know side. I'm your ghetto friend, just, man. <laughs> Gil Noble had a show on ABC for like 40 years mm-hmm. called Like It Is. It used to come on Sunday mornings and it was about the black agenda. Mm. So if you go on YouTube and look up old Gil Noble shows, you know, like Dr. Ben on there, right. you know, John Henry Clark, wow. you know, he the dude who come and talk to Leonard Jeffries. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? And he used to be on ABC and he was on for 40 years. I definitely was at church during that time. <laughs> <laughs> My parents had me up listening to NPR and uh, watching Gil Noble like it is. Sunday school. <laughs> So, yeah. Planet Asia. Yes, sir. Jason Green. Yes, sir. We're both greens. Greens. Yeah. And Jason yeah. is a male version of Jasmine. Oh. oh so, it's a whole, yeah. so, you're just a mix of me and Jasmine. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's what's up. That's yeah, what's but, up. Um, yeah, straight from Fresno, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The name Planet Asia, where you get it from? Uh, my original name was Asiatic X. And it was Asiatic J, Asiatic X, and it was just Asiatic. That makes sense. And then I didn't want to have that name because it was just straight out of that school of like, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the, the the cane and that that era. I'm like, yeah. I need something new that that didn't seem rancid. So, right. and you know, Wu Tang was out at the time. I wanted a superhero name because I used to mm. bug out off of like Ghostface and uh, even like Red Man. Like just the names at that time sounded like superheroes. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need yeah. a superhero name. I don't need a Rapper name. I need something that can be like a cartoon almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like Planet Asia. Oh, Planet Asia. Doing the knowledge, you know, that who, uh, knowing that the original people used to call the planet Earth Asia mm-hmm. and me being Asiatic, uh, uh, Asia being the body and Attic being the mind, adding all that up, Planet Asia, and it went 
right along with what I was doing at the time. I went to the White House for a meeting with Obama mm. in 2016, and Busta Rhymes was there. And it was a lot of people was there. It wasn't. It was DJ Khaled, Rhapsody, right. Nicki Minaj, Pusha T, ASAP mm-hmm. uh, Rocky. <laughs> it was a bunch of people. But um, smelling like weed in the White House. Oh yeah, it was. Oh, no. Rick Ross was there with the ankle bracelet on. Oh my right. god! You know, for real. <laughs> he really had the ankle bracelet on. Wow. Um, but Buster said um, he talked about we were talking about Obama's mentorship program, the Brothers Keeper. Okay. And we were talking about the important names. And I was talking about how my parents named me Talib Kweli. And I was told by teachers and everybody around me, you will never have a job with a name like that. Right. And why Obama, to me, was important for him to be named right. Barack Hussein Obama. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I was like, that was a big thing for me. Uh-huh. And Buster was talking about the 5%. He was building and destroying in the Oval Office. And in the, not in the Oval Office. In the uh, one in the, the Roosevelt Room. That's where he was in, the Roosevelt right. Room. But he was talking about how when he was a kid... Dudes on the corner would be named Justice Allah, Supreme Magnetic, right. and to him that was his superheroes. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, we had uh, IDK on here, mm-hmm. who's a young dude out of PG County, blowing up right now. His mm-hmm. album uh, "Is He Real?" and he was talking about Fifty Cent right. for his generation was a superhero. Right. He said, "Dude was built and had the bulletproof vest, right. took nine bullets." Right. You know what I'm saying? So, why is that concept of the superhero so important to people who grew up? In the hood, growing up poor leaves room for imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the the, the the most hoodest dudes I know were the biggest cartoon lovers. We right. all love GI Joe, Transformers, right? He Man, Mass, Thundercat, yeah. And then don't can't forget the classic karate flicks that used to come mm-hmm. on Saturday. And mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff had a lot of esoteric meaning to it compared to the cartoons today mm-hmm. and all the stuff the kids deal with today. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit more goofy. What we was dealing with was on a whole nother level, like knowing this half the battle and all mm-hmm. that, you know? So I just think it's just coming from that time from being a seventies baby, living in that good eighties when a lot of that stuff was introduced to us. Like you named that ABC show. Mm-hmm. It was stuff like that. That was happening so often like auto man, you know, a yeah. lot of people don't remember auto man, but that was yeah. like a show that used to come on and, I, and it was like high technology dealing with like the computer. And it's funny because the computer is what's ruling the day, but right. he had this thing called cursor that was right. following him and it could, it could create everything. You know right. what I mean? So a lot of that was good for the imagination. So by the time I got into MCN, MCN, I had a vivid imagination, you know, growing up poor, all you got, all you have is this notebook. Mm-hmm. It don't cost a, this don't cost a lot, you know, mm-hmm. or writing on the back of something. Right. So you come around on anything. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know, if I, I after the playing with the toys thing, this was the toy I had. Mm. So I'm writing in this every day, and my imagination is running through this because I'm living in poverty. Mm-hmm. Not like I grew up in just, you know, my, my parents worked hard. I had it good. Right. But I'm saying compared to, you know, when you actually know what, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, your parents are actually working for you compared to somebody that's getting everything they want at the drop of a dime. Mm-hmm. I understood that anything that I had, somebody worked hard for mm-hmm. it. So, you know, I think that's it's something about that man. I, I can't really put my finger on it. Maybe it's style. You know, uh, superheroes had style. Okay. You know, black people we love style. Right. You know, Bruce Lee he has style. Right. Um, it's just you know we slick talkers. Cartoons had a lot of slick talking in it. Mm-hmm. Characters, you know what I mean. We, if you're on the block, it's always the the the, the priceless character. From right. every neighborhood. I don't right. care what neighborhood you go to. It's a, it's, it's right. somebody there that's priceless. Right. And I guarantee you. Jim that, Kelly style. Man, you straight yeah. out of a comic book. And I guarantee <laughs> you they're probably poor. Right. 
You know what I'm saying? And that's where it comes from, man. Whether people like it or not. America thrives on black poverty. Mm. Absolutely. This America's culture is black poverty. Absolutely. Um, in Fresno, it's a working class community. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of poverty in Fresno right. as well. People from outside of California don't really understand the difference between L.A. and the Bay and then other cities in between like a Fresno. Right. Can you break that down? There was different, uh, I, I would say different uh, uh, eras that I grew up in in Fresno mm-hmm. until I grew up out of it. The first era was the 70s era where things were, I feel like, was the same all over America. Mm-hmm. But, pre-crack era, mm-hmm. uh, love everywhere, black unity, um, right. afros. The, the only, the, the most street thing that was going on at that time was pimps. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, but it was a lot of respect on the street. People respected each other. And then I remember like this, this free base era, mm-hmm. pre-crack. Yeah. When you would start seeing like older people going in the room and closing the door and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're yeah. like, oh, what are they? And he's like, it's that funny smell. And then, you know, people coming out with their eyes looking right. like this and you're like, what right. the hell? And then you start hearing about what that is. It was still cool during that era though because people were still going to work. Yeah. And then you had the crack era. Mm-hmm. That's when everything just changed. It was like, okay, it just seemed like the hood got darker. You start seeing like, in my hood, it just seemed like you start seeing graffiti out of nowhere on the wall. <laughs> like we never had graffiti on the right. wall. Like we didn't have broken up, we didn't have broken uh fences right. and all that stuff. It just went it it, it went to trash, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Uh the crack era definitely was an epidemic that was you know, I, I compare that to like the Jewish Holocaust. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's definitely a health crisis. You see what's happening with the opioid crisis right now. But, People yeah. getting a lot of love, a lot of treatment. Yeah. yeah, they're just treating it totally different. And it's like a part of you wants to say, OK, you don't want just because they're on opiates or whatever, you don't want them to suffer or whatever because they didn't look out for us. But then it's also like, well, dang, why you didn't look out for us? And now all of a sudden there's so many programmings there. They've added like uh, rehabs to insurance and stuff like that. Like they're really trying to help out this new epidemic. It's affecting a different demographic. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, you and I met back in 1999. Right. And it's because my man, Danny Castro from the Lyricist Lounge. Danny! Danny Castro talks very slow, you know what I'm saying? But yo, he has a lot of things yo, to say. what's up, son? Yo, what's up, Kwali? show going on, yo. Yo. If you're around, yo, I like to have you on. <laughs> yo, there's this dude in Cali from Fresno. He's, he's kind of like, you know, a West Coast Kwali. <laughs> you know? But Danny was like, he was definitely like comparing our styles. Right. And he was like, he was instrument. he was like, I don't remember. You know, this was like after the Lyricist Lounge album put out by Raucus. This right. was like, and I wasn't. You know, what's funny. People always put me with everything that I never was a part of. Like, <laughs> like Stones Throw. He's like, I wasn't on Raucous. Stones. I'm like, I've never been on right. these. Right. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, Danny was like, we should do a record, and we did a record. Right. And I did a record just because Danny said, you know, I should do a record with Planet Asia. Yo, what's the name? Oh, what's the name of that song? Uh, don't let up. Don't let and up. Right. You know what's crazy is. That was like, you know, a lot of my first New York experiences. Mm-hmm. And to have those type of New York experiences was crazy because we recorded that song at Electric Lady Studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we were supposed to record at D&D. Right. And that's right before I got my deal with Endoscope. That's the crazy, the beautiful part about that was like, I got two record deals at one time. I had got an indie deal and a major deal at the same time. That was dope. Yesterday, it was like yesterday was so uh, plentiful. Mm. <laughs> We was being spoiled, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot more money to go around, right. a lot more budgets. I remember, I, you know, when I knew it was, was, was real with the budgets, 
when uh the far side made a record called oh. Quentin's on his way. Far and then side. Quentin hey, and he got a deal. Got a record deal. <laughs> far side weed dealer got a deal. Man, he was the first burner. <laughs> right. He's the first burner. That's hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, shout out to Quentin. Yeah. Um speaking of D D, you met Premier early in your career. Early in my career. Fifteen years old. Fifteen years old. Uh shout out to my man Shake the Mayor. Um we had a group called Third Element. No, we might have been Nubian X at that time. This is before <laughs> Third Element. I, I know because I was real young. I still had the little twist on the top of my head, uh-huh. and we used to bum rush shows with our with our show tape back in the day because you could do that for some reason. Right. Whose show was this? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Now it was a, uh, a cat. My grandmother knows this cat. We all know him, but he's old enough to know my grandmother, right? <laughs> now my grandmother's eighty seven right now, right. eighty six, eighty seven right now. Oh right. dang! Um, name was Fuji. Okay, shout out Fuji. What up, Fuji? <laughs> Fuji calls himself throwing a hip hop show at the Fresno Fairgrounds. Uh-huh. And at this time, uh, E40 and the Click, they were big uh, in the streets. This before Jive Records or any of that. He's selling his uh, tapes out the uh, trunk. It's E40 and the Click, Big Daddy Kane, uh, X Clan, and Gangstar. You know what's funny about this show is. What? the first time I ever seen an albino person. Kronda. And it was Kronda. Because he was rolling with X-Clan. He was rolling with X-Clan. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm like, wow, like, yo, this is crazy. Like, I never seen like a black white dude before. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. You know what I mean? I, I'm, like, I'm like, yo, the, I'm like, the black man is definitely God. Right. Point. You can't tell me nothing. You know what I mean? And Krondon is definitely a black dude. Yeah, he's, you know, and it's crazy that he's we the ended blackest. up, yeah, we ended up being best of friends 10 years later. Um, that was a wild night. So Fuji ended up not having the money for the artist, so people didn't want to perform. Mm-hmm. We ended up bum rushing the show. We killed it. Premier was like, oh, wow, I never heard nobody over here rhyming like that. And it was just crazy because I had never, you know, we ain't never been around dudes like that. And for him to give us props like right, that right, at a right. young age, we was underdeveloped. It mm-hmm. was it was so underdeveloped that the song that we performed, I don't even think we recorded it yet. We just had the beat for it. Right. We're going to do our new joint. <laughs> we're going to yeah, yeah. do our joint. Yeah, which joint are you going to do? Oh, we're going to do the new joint. We're going to do the new joint. Like, right. it's never been recorded before. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, man, shout out to Premier. I still ain't never did a song, but it's, it's got to happen at some point. Yeah, Premier was involved in my early career. You know, yeah. I was running around with Gangstar Foundation, John Forte and all right. Shout out to Black. And right. A little dapping on Yo, him. John Forte, man. People don't know, man. He's a cold player. I mean, oh, yeah. not, not no more. I don't know what he's doing today. Oh, no, he I know when I first came to New York. Oh, yeah. Man, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That boy was iceberg. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Check out, I have like, a YouTube, on my YouTube show, I do a show called uh, Vibrate Higher on my channel. Right. And I did an episode uh, with uh, Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib, and the end of it is me going to Martha's Vineyard mm-hmm. to check out John Forte. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's my player partner right there. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah man. It's. Uh, it's been a great journey, man. Right now, you know, I just, I got a lot of stuff coming out. Let us let me just put this on the table. I got an I album know. coming out with DJ Scratch. Okay. I didn't know about that one. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. It's not finished yet. I'm almost finished. You just came back from New York. I just finished the album with 38 Special, produced by 38 Special. Okay. Uh, I'm part of the trust movement. Shout out to the whole trust family, Shay mm-hmm. Noriad, Shay Noir. I don't know if I say that right. I always mess up her name, but she's, you know about Shay Noir, right? No. Yo, Check her out. She's okay. she's popping okay. right now. Um, but yeah, he produced the whole album on me, man, and it's one of my favorites. Yo, he made every beat in front of me. It's just something about when a producer's making the beat. You right like to do there. that though. You you go and do a whole project with a producer right there in the element. Yeah, that's your thing. Yeah, I like it because it, it, it the vibe doesn't leave the room. You know, because it's a, it's it's different when you get five beats one minute, right. you do those, and then 
he got to get inspired to make some more beats. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, he might be in a party mode and somebody might have died. You know, it's crazy. I gave you the Golden Buddha album. That album took four years for me to make for those reasons. It's a brilliant album. Thank you. Yeah. We did a lot of that album later because his his shout out to Izzy Nice. Uh, his mom had passed. Oh, sorry to hear and that. And when his mom passed, I thought like, damn, I don't know what these beats going to sound like now. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what happened, but he something got into him and the beats, he started going crazy with the beats. I was Man. like, wow. Like, yeah. Maybe he realized, you know, time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I went out there and I recorded the Golden Buddha and that's one of my favorite projects to this day, you know? And 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 anchovies with Apollo Brown. I, you know, my whole thing, man, with hip hop is I don't put my eggs into one basket. I kind of took the 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 uh, the reggae formula. You know, right? These are dancehall style. Yeah, you know, since last fifty six albums. Yeah, yeah. fifty six. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I ain't gotta feel bad no more. Is this this because we're gonna leave this earth one day? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I want to have a lot here left. When I'm gone. You say on this new album, you don't follow the trends. You just do Asia. Right. Because Bubblegum. Always loses its flavor. Always loses its flavor. <laughs> right. You know, that's. that's yes, it does. That's that's a great bar. That bar, to me, encapsulates your career. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what it is. Because you chew on gum, you know, sweet gum for a little bit. Ten minutes later, it's gone. And you're just chewing and chewing and chewing. The, you know, I'm not one of those artists that, to complain about where hip hop is, I feel like hip hop has always been doing the same thing. It, mm-hmm. it always, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, the only difference is we don't have the. It's not new, mm-hmm. really. That's really the only thing. It's just not it's new not no more. Fresh, yeah. It's not like oh wow, he's rapping. I can't believe it. Right, you know, everybody <laughs> raps now. I remember right. back in the day, you hear somebody rhyme. You like, how did he do that? The hell? How you right, do that? like right. it's like he had a somersault backflip. You know what I mean? Right. Now it's like you know the post office. The, 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 the mailman might drop a freestyle and be ill with it though. And he <laughs> and be, be ill. And he might not even be pursuing no right. I have friends like right. that. He's like, oh man, I just do this fun on the side. Yeah. You know, I got a little studio in the garage. Me, we just fuck around. A Yo, little I have around. friends that are Nas level of rhyming that right. don't care about making a record. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's dope. That's to me the, that is hip hop. That's culture. the culture. Yeah, yeah that's the culture. Yeah. Um, Cali agents. Right. That's sort of your first, for me, where people started really understanding and respecting Planet Asia. Shout out to Rasco. Um, talk, talk to me about the beginnings of Cali Agents. Man, Rasco, he saved my life. Mm. Um, if it wasn't for Rasco, I'd be a drug dealer. I'm just keeping 100. I'd be, I'd be the, the, the most intelligent, cunning drug dealer out <laughs> there right now if Rasco didn't save my life. Right. Uh, he took me on my first tour before I was at 20 years old. He took me to London with uh, Jungle Brothers and I turned 21 on that tour. OK. Oh, wow. um, the crazy part about that is you never know how, how your life is going to turn out when you are pursuing something. Um, when I got into the, when we met, when we, when we met each other, he was da- he was a dancer for another group called Various Blends. And um, I looked up to them like, you know, like they was you know, what what Jungle Brothers would be for De La Soul or whatever. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you know right, what I mean? Right. How I perceived the Native Tongues, it was like Jungle Brothers, right, De La right. Soul. Like, they those were like... Are, the, those are your OGs. Th- those are my OGs. Mm-hmm. Taught me, you know, first abstract uh, rhymers I ever heard, ever. First real live stage show mm-hmm. performing where you like, I gotta be as good as that live. Right. 
Rasco had his own style of dancing. Nobody danced like dude. Like like he had his own style. Like to the point where I had dancers. They were biting Rasco. Right. My dancers used right. to bite Rasco. He had this <laughs> this certain move where he would roll on the floor. And my, I was like, my, my guy Paul used to do the same. I'm like, yeah, you bite Rasco. Rask used to get mad at that too. But I remember he uh they you know how back in the day uh groups would let like the DJ get a verse or the, the dancer get a verse. They shouldn't have never let this dancer get a verse. He was too nice. He was too nice. Right. He was actually better than everybody. And I ain't gonna never forget this day. I was at this place called Knights of Columbus. And I'm, you know, back then, hip hop was still new. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of the music that I would get introduced to would get introduced in the club, right. in the spot. It right. wouldn't be like, you heard it on the radio, you seen it in the video. It was like, no, a DJ played right. this. I remember I thought X-Clan was from Fresno. Right. You had to go home the next day and go to school the yeah. next day and be like, yo. Yeah, because, right. you know, you had videos, but it wasn't like crazy like that. So, I, like I said, I thought X-Clan was from Fresno. I thought EPMD was from the Bay Area because I didn't know yet. Especially with the music they with were the, using. Yeah. yeah they were funk and- so, I'm hearing this. I'm like, damn, this shit is like some rock him. Bit. Who is that? I'm walking closer, closer to the DJ. It's Rascal holding a mic. And I told him, I'm like, yo, you the illest I've ever heard, bro. I'm like, yo, fuck the dancing. You the best right now. Right. He kept going. Next thing I know, he had graduated that year from Fresno State. Now, note, that's how young I am. I'm not even in, I'm not even a freshman in high school yet. You know what I'm saying? I'm coming out of junior high, about to be a freshman. He graduates um, from uh, Fresno State. We still doing our rap thing in the town. Various Blends, uh, they were still uh, they were still a group at that time. They were about to get a deal with Hollywood Basic, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they were trying to get a deal with Hollywood Basic. Peanut Butter Wolf and uh, Charisma were signed at that time. Right, they were out of Sacramento Confusion. at the time. Yeah. Okay. No, they were out of San Jose. San Jose. San Jose, yeah. Okay. And, um, that's when uh, Organized Confusion had Fudge Pudge and all that, mm-hmm. uh, Charisma, but Charisma had got killed. Killed, right. And that kind of like, Charisma. Yeah, RIP. That kind of like put a, a halt to that situation. And it kept going. And Rasco, when he went back to the Bay, he would hit me every now and then. He would call, because I was, you know, I was living with my grandmother. He would call me every now and then and be like, yo, I just did a show with Big Daddy Kane. I just did a show with EPMD. And I'm thinking at that time, like, you got to have a record deal to do shows like that, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know nothing about independent records or, TRC distribution and none of that. He like, yo, wait till they get a load of you. I'm thinking he just gassing me like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. So I go to the Bay. I jump on his first album, which is called Time Waits for No Man on mm-hmm. a song called Take It Back Home. And history, it was, I left Fresno with probably like $20 in my pocket, man. And I made it happen over that. I went right. and slept on somebody's couch, got me a job at Amoeba Records, made my first EP with uh, Fanatic who made Rascal's biggest single. So I was doing everything strategically. Like, okay, he made your single. Right. Oh, I need to talk to him, man. Right. I'm going to do a whole project with you because I don't know nobody. Right. Just give me some beats so I can show my ass. Mm-hmm. Boom. And it's funny because, no disrespect to Fanatic, I would, in the interviews, it would be like, love this Planet Asia guy, he, but he's out rapping the beats. The beats are not good enough for him. I'm like, ah, oh, but I'm, little <laughs> did they know, I didn't know nobody Damn. that made beats at right. that time. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. So, I just kept working. Even when I met you, I still didn't know really no producers to make beats. Walt made that beat that we rapped, that we right. Walt that liquor. was my manager. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Manager slash DJ. Yeah. So I was just making it work out of what Walt I had. Walt liquor. That's why my beats to the day, today are so ill because now I'm like, ah, let me do everything I always wanted to do. You know? But yeah, shout out to Rasco. If it wasn't for Rasco, 
uh, I wouldn't be here right now. Mm. Definitely. And he's part of, let me go deeper. They were part of a crew called COD, called Children's of One Destiny. That was the crew that Safir was from before the Hobo Junction. Before Hobo. Yeah, they were okay. all, the people that were, uh, some of the, like uh, my man Polk Martian that was part of Hobo Junction, he was part of Children of One Destiny. I used to see these dudes. They were like my first window of, okay, I can do, because I, I, I wasn't going to rhyme no other way than what I rhyme now anyway, but I was it was always like, damn, am I going to be able to do this? Because it's like, I don't know, I don't really see nobody like me until I saw them. You know, it would be at the colleges. First time I met Buster Rhymes and all mm-hmm. them, Frank that was in that group, him and the Black Student Union, they brought leaders of the new school, Brand Nubian, KMD, De La Soul. God Body Tour. Back in the day. I right. seen that. I was there right. for that. Right. You know what I mean? The so God grew, Squad. Yeah, the God Squad. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, my, my roots is deep. So when people be like, yo, you remind me of an East Coast cat, mm-hmm. it's not really that. That is, I come from a culture. This is a culture. It's not really based on a coast. It's based on how did you grow up? You, I could have been in Alaska and still been Planet Asia. Now, your style, absolutely, mm-hmm. um, I can hear the Wu-Tang influence. Mm-hmm. And I think we all influenced by Wu-Tang. Right. To agree, absolutely. Let me say this. Uh-huh. I got to just keep it real. Uh-huh. It's not, I'm not even influenced by Wu-Tang. Okay. Me and Wu-Tang have the same forefathers. So right, it, same it, same tree of knowledge. Same tree of knowledge. It's because, yeah. you know, I talk to Raekwon and Ghost a lot, and um, my style of rhyming comes from a park called Frank H Park. Mm-hmm. I had a Brooklyn dude named Big Mo that I used to spar with. Big, Big Mo was probably fifteen years older than me. He sound like Biggie. Okay. Um, now Tom Perry, rest in peace. Tom Perry is a football coach. And a very inspirational person. He don't rhyme though. He's just a a, a a coach. He sent a lot of dude. A lot of dudes that went to the NFL, NBA off this dude. But he his her, his persona is real big. He remind you of a ghost face. Okay. How ghosts talk. That's how Tone Perry. Right. It's funny that his name is Tone. Name was Tone Perry. Then I had a guy named Pat Murphy. You know these. He's a street. He was a street suave. What what he didn't rap either. But mm-hmm. like. The persona of what AZ is. Okay. He's like that persona without the rapping. Mm-hmm. So these these are the people I grew up around. Then my knowledge comes from an elder named Raheem, who used to sell books, mm-hmm. who was a part of the Nation of Islam. So all you rap all mm-hmm. that in one with drug selling. Right. That's what you get. And, Fresno. and, and I played basketball a lot. Right. So it was like you got this street uh 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 uh, public park baby with knowledge itself from the Central Valley of California. Now break down knowledge itself, make a dummy proof for people well, who don't know what you're Meaning about. that I know who I am and I and I teach that the black man is God. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and um, I teach civilization to those who are uncivilized. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, having knowledge itself meaning meaning that I know my limitations. Right. And I know how far to go. A lot of people, they don't have knowledge of self, meaning that they do before they think. When you do before you think, you don't really have no knowledge of self. You know what right. I'm saying? And you have to know where you come from, too. You got to know history. You have to know your history. Your history, not not just history about people that look like you, but even mm-hmm. your history as where your family come from. Mm-hmm. You got to ask your parents, your grandmother, whoever you're related to about where you come from. You know what I'm saying? So I always was that type of child growing up. I always read books. Um, you know, we, you know, the first introduction was, of course, uh, autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And then 
introduction to African civilization. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the the, the Johnny regiment. Jackson. Mm-hmm. So having knowledge itself, just being aware and knowing where you came from, so no one can set an illusion for you in in, in your future. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you if you let somebody else tell you something, you're gonna be thinking that the sky is orange. You know what I'm saying? They right. can tell you the sky is orange and it's blue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now you said that your original foundation of your knowledge was Nation of Islam. Nation of Islam. But what you just described sounds more like five percent. I'm a five percenter. Okay. I, my my name is Powerful Jabbar Allah. Okay. That's my name. So when did it evolve from Nation of Islam to five percent? Well, in the nineties, uh early nineties, the nation was strong on the street, especially on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? East Coast too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, period. Yeah, period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Especially yeah. in Brooklyn. And I, I say this all the time, you know, uh, during that time, you didn't really even hear peace to the to the gods. Mm-hmm. You would hear like peace to the nation of Islam. Even Big Daddy Kane and Rock right, right. who are five percent of mascots as far as hip hop goes, they didn't even say that yet. You know right. what I'm saying? Everybody still went to Savior's Day. Yeah. 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 It was like I would say around ninety two. 90, 92 going into 93 my man supreme one day we downtown and we all bean soup babies we all nation islam babies and he just hit me what did you say bean soup yeah bean, bean soup. soup babies uh, <laughs> bean pie was like yeah. i used to get picked on yeah. on school for all the time <laughs> you know I mean? so uh he like uh the black man is god and i'm looking at him like what you mean mm-hmm. like like the black man is god and he started taking me through the, through the math I'm like what I'm like, I never heard of this. He's like, yo, this this is the map. He, he started talk, talk, telling me about a brother named Tashim and, and other brothers who came from the East and this, that, and the third. And I'm still, I'm still not rolling. Mm-hmm. But then Did I, you grow up Christian? Who? You. I did. You I grew did. up Christian. I, I, so but it's against your it's against your sensibilities. It wasn't against saying. my Christian belief because I was I wasn't a Christian at this point. Okay. But we still had the Allah being uh, you know, omnipresent. Mm-hmm. person and master Farad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Matt? You know, Allah came in a person of master Farad. You know, blah, blah, blah. he's like, nah, you God though. He's like, yeah, that's true. But Allah came in a person of master Farad, meaning that you God too. And what's the first degree? What's the first degree in the student enrollment? Who was the original man? The original man is the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet yeah. earth, father of civilization and God of the universe. So he's like, so now what? I'm like, wow, I didn't think of it like that. So he get he gives me my um, math. I I learned the math real fast, learned my alphabet real fast. And then I started hanging with the gods and and I just seen for me it was more of a it was more of a like an age bracket thing. It was like the nation of Islam was more for the elders and and the five percent was more for the babies. Mm-hmm. And that's how I that's how I digested it. It was almost like it was meant for young people. Mm. You know what I mean? If you're young and you get this knowledge, it's going to change you. Well, especially if you listen to the hip-hop music at the time right, right. because the hip-hop, a lot of them coming from the East Coast and coming from, you know, that 5% culture was interwoven right. into the hip, if, into the best of the hip-hop right. culture. We're talking about Rakim Allah. We're talking about the best to ever do it. The and the only person that was really competing with him at the time was Big Daddy Kane. Period. You know, he's 5%. He, that was like, the, that was they were like technology when it came out. Like, yo. Right. Rakim almost made me not ever want to rap. I'm like, yo, I don't know if I'm going to be better than that. If I can't get to that level, why do it? But what made me really get into it was how I seen it transfer people. Even, you know, when I seen Supreme get an earth, when I seen him change his- Break that down. An earth uh, earth is is the the counterpart counterpart to God. You know what I'm saying? Uh, It's it's God and earth, one and the same. You, You can't- 
they, they coincide with each other. She's the life giver mm-hmm. of the God. She's the earth. The black woman is the earth. And I seen him change a regular around the way girl into an earth. Right. And I seen how that was. And that made me be like, okay, this works. If, if, <laughs> if, she, if, if he can change her like that, right. I'm like, this can work. I'm right. like, I never seen, cause you know, you young. I'm like, I had girlfriends before, but he got a woman. You know what right, I mean? Right, like, right, right. this is different. Like, right. if she's listening to what he's saying. Like, okay, I gotta be God. You know what I mean? And that's, and you know, what's crazy though, if you go, if you do the history on a, a lot of our leaders, mm-hmm. that's how they got into having knowledge. Elijah right. Muhammad got inspired by his wife to go to the nation. Mm-hmm. The father, when he was at, at war, the Korean War, and when he, when he came back, his wife was in the nation. He like, who's these people? We, my wife going to go see. Right. Go check the check these out. Check this out. Boom. He getting the knowledge. Right. He he ended up being a student of Malcolm X. You know what I'm saying? And you know the father, uh, who who was father once, of who was about five percent. Yeah, the father Clarence Thirteen X, who was once known as Clarence Thirteen X. Mm-hmm. He came from uh, Mosque Number Seven uh, under the tutelage of Malcolm X, um, and they were in a, a, a high advanced study group in the nation of Islam and within the uh, wisdom book, that's how the mathematics got uh, put in order through key words. You know, you always hear words like freedom, justice, and equality. You hear words like knowledge, wisdom, mm-hmm. understanding, born, build or destroy. So they put them in this, the proper perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and those principles and, it, and, you know, they call it city science. But even if you go back to the ancient times of Kemet, the sacred number was 19. Because nine is really the highest number. When you put the Quran through, when Sister Tanetta put the Quran through the computer, it came out to the number 19. So it's always been making knowledge born. And making knowledge born means bringing something to existence. Hip hop. Right, because the, the breakdown of mathematics. Not, okay, well, knowledge is the foundation of everything in existence, just like the sun is mm-hmm. the foundation of the solar system and man the foundation of his family. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, the ways and actions. One uses to make that knowledge right. known, such so, as speaking and, wisely, and, and, and with the numbers, it's one. It's one and two. Right. And these are different principles. Understanding being the best part. That's three. Which is the black child, which is you, because we all are the best parts of our family. Mm. Now, you take that all the way to born, which is meaning to bring into existence. It's nine, it's nine months of being born. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's nine stages to learning. Now, you take it to another... I this is how I perceive it. I perceive it as supreme alchemy because mm-hmm. in, in alchemy, you have a low form of alchemy which people think is people call you know the transferring of metals. Mm-hmm. The high form of alchemy is changing the subjective to the objective, mm-hmm. bringing your thoughts into life. What right. we do in hip hop is the is a form of alchemy. Right, Biggie. I always tell people the the, the song Juicy, that's an alchemist song that's because. Right. Biggie didn't have none of that when he was writing those lyrics. That's right. Mm. He spoke truth to he power. He spoke that into right, existence. Manifestation. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? And that's what supreme alchemy is. And that's what, you know, for those who want to get knowledge of self and, and get, <laughs> come build with the gods, this is what we're dealing with. We, we dealing with bringing things to life, not hallucinating and looking at 
stargazing. It's about doing things right here. That's why we say the babies are the most important part mm-hmm. because they are future. You know, right. we used Puffy to... good, but Wu Tang for the children. Exactly. <laughs> Puffy's good, but Wu Tang right. for the children. Right. You know what I mean? It's crazy because, like, um, with manifestation, I mean, like, nowadays, like, the, you've ever, you know, they're really into crystals and right. they're really into um, getting in touch with their ancestors and things of that nature. And, like, the Christian, just the Christian belief is really moving away right. as this new generation is coming in. And it's like stuff that you guys already right. knew, but a lot of the middle generation was not taught this because right. we were taught. The society's way of, of religion yeah. and things of that nature. I, I just got out of an Uber ride and um, a dude asked me, was I Muslim? And I told him I'm, I'm Islamic because I was like, your perception and my perception is different. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to say that what I what I, what I I know is just it, the all. I'm like, and try to knock you off your path. I'm like, nah, we have different pieces of the puzzle. I'm like, the only thing, the only problem I have with most people is they fail to deal with the esoteric meaning behind things and they they don't they just want to leave it on the surface level i'm like yeah that, um, I, I was in the th- airport the other day all the religions point to the same direction i'm mm-hmm. not really against no religion because people right. think like oh you're five percent of that means you you know you don't believe in god it's, i don't believe in how you perceive god yeah be. that's exactly it mm-hmm. i was in the airport the other day and i you know i w- was raised in a community of five percenters mm-hmm. so i have a little bit of an understanding for it right. um and i relate to it on a lot of levels right. um i had a hat that said truth over lies right and this white lady in the wheelchair was like um what your hat mean <laughs> i was like pretty fucking clear to me <laughs> um you're white womaning right now relax. right 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 and she was like well who's the truth this was just you know in the airport mm-hmm. i said what you mean I knew what she meant. Right. I knew she was fishing for Jesus was the answer, right. but I'm like, what you mean? She said, God is the truth. I said, for some. Right. Right. And she said, well, what you mean? I said, well, uh, she said, what do you believe in? Mm. I said, I don't really deal with belief. I try to deal with facts. Right. Mm. right. She said, well, do you believe in God? I said, I know God. Right. Um, she said, well, who's God? I said, I'm God. Right. She said, what you mean? I said, I'm God, you're God, your friend over there is God. I see God in all things. This is how I this is how I see it, right? And she's like, Well, if you're gonna say that, you have to worship. And I said, Hold on, man. <laughs> you can't tell me what I have to do. Cause I don't work for you. Yeah. We could continue this conversation, right. but you can't be telling me what I have to do. Right. And then she's like, Well, you need to listen to. It. I was like, hold on, Nissy, there you go again. Right. Like I actually don't need to listen to you. Right. And I think I'm being very gracious by even having this conversation with you. Right. She said, you're only treating me like this because I'm white. Mm. So now I stood up, right? And I didn't stand up to be physically imposing, but I stood up because she wheeled her wheelchair around like this. <laughs> oh my God. She was like, you're only doing this because I'm white. And she did like this. She rolled away from Yeah, and I was like, no, no, no. I said, this conversation is not over. Yeah, yeah. You, bring that ass here. Right. right. I was like, you don't get to start this conversation questioning my spiritual beliefs right. and then accuse me of being a racism right. and then roll Out of off, nowhere. You know what I'm saying? In yeah. the airport. Yeah. And the people's was with her. They had her back. They was like, leave her alone. She's in a wheelchair. I was oh like, I don't give God. a fuck. Yeah, right, 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 right. To attack her and something. then she called the flight people, agents, and they called the police. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Tell and the police came and spoke to me. And they asked me what happened. When I when I explained to them what happened, they was like, um, yeah, they they understood that she sounded a little, <laughs> a little you know, off. a little off. Yeah. But um, you know, she uh her entitlement, and I could right. tell she was like this, you know, the white version of evangelical, right. you know, the white Christian, her entitlement made her feel like 
she can instruct me mm-hmm. on what to believe. And she wasn't prepared for me to have a response mm-hmm. that was outside of her bubble. That's And that's why the world is where it is today. Because people are trying to force their beliefs on people. And, and it's not even facts. I mean, you know, you I'm a, let, let's just be clear. As, as friends, because we're going to do this on your show. Yeah. You're better than me when it comes to people. <laughs> We've had this conversation probably. Me, you're better than him, then. Yeah, I make it, I make it, I'm one of those black people uh-huh. that make it a point to make white people feel uncomfortable at times. <laughs> at times. Yeah. I do it sometimes for the sake of my ancestors that had to get humiliated on TV and shit mm. like that. So I'll, I'll be, say if I'm on the phone having a militant conversation with one of my friends, right? I might be in the grocery store in the in, in the line and I won't hang up the phone. Right. I'll, I'll talk like nobody's around me on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I want Because I feel like not enough people really get to hear how black men really feel. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're going to be my friend, you know, as a European, you're going to have a real black friend. Yeah. Right. I'm your real. I'm not gonna be the black friend you use yeah, in conversation. I'm, I'm gonna be like, nah, to them, cover up some shit. Yeah, I'm be like, no, nah, them, them crackers tripping. Right, you my partner, but them crackers tripping. Right, and it's and you gotta get used to it. It, it don't have nothing to do with me because I don't hate nobody. I, you know, I'm Planet Asia, yo. I, yo, white people buy my shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> do they? And it's I got and they, they buy my and shit. And I too. feel like white people understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> so I, I just don't, you know, they don't come after me. They don't come for me because I talk my shit from the gate. I'm like, look, man, y'all know y'all need to clean some of this shit up. Um, your grandparents was tripping. Um, you living off, <laughs> you living, you living off um, old money that right. was stolen. Right. And you acting like, you know, why aren't you working as hard? Like, you ain't work for that no shit. You know how many dudes I know that sniff coke and do dumb shit, but mm. they don't have the complexion. For the protection. No, they don't have the complexion to be fucked with. Right. They white enough to to, to be to right. do whatever they want. Right. They're not working as hard right. as of you know. They not. got money thrown down to them. But but I will say this though. I also know successful white guys that didn't grow up with everything. So I don't the the the, the white guys that you would think even that had that was spoon fed wasn't the, the ones that I know because I came up with them. You know what I'm saying? I seen them grind. That's why I don't really play the, you know, I'm not, I'm not into the race thing. You know, I'm pro-righteousness. You know, I'm a five percenter. We we definitely right, right. don't deal with we anti any of that. It's a uh commercial or it's like a Instagram thing, whatever's going on. And it's like this dude is a lecturer and he has all these black and white people line up and then he's like having the um he's saying certain things and you take steps you take steps and then it shows the majority of the black people are at the back of the track and the majority of the white people are at the front and then he says now start running because you guys are all running the same race but it's like no matter whether or not they're a spoonful or not they're still going to be put on a a different plane to a degree because you got to understand in this country it's based on money um I used to think it was all about race, but I've seen enough stuff to, to know that it's it's about money and power and certain people that's in position. You know, I, it, I could cuss on here, right? Yeah. No, no, it's, no curse. It's kind of like a little dick thing. Um, people that have little penises, you can't, you know, you can't pay for that. Little so you're going to be frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a dude that... He never had women his whole life, and now you know he finally got a little chance to get something, and he's just going crazy. He, and now he's just disrespecting everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah, little. Race, di- it's race little. is a, a construct that was invented 
for capitalism, yeah. for for money. Mm-hmm. They they was they was getting money on the slave trade. They said, man, this shit is fucked up. How can we continue this? Mm-hmm. We need to convince them that if they have black skin, that they have their lives are worth less. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the reason why they even invented the whole race based on skin. But it backfires. Mm-hmm. See, this is what I want Europeans to understand. If if you just go the righteous way, it won't backfire on you. It's going to backfire on you because you're going against nature. Whenever mm-hmm. you go against nature, it backfires on you. You know what I'm saying? Um, you try to s- speed everything up, you know, messing with the air, you messing with the water. You know, I'm tired of this whole thing about toxic masculinity. I'm like, mm. nah, Break that it's down. white supremacy. I'm tired of women trying to say toxic masculinity and, and, you know, put that on all men. Explain why. It's really white supremacy. Because... Ain't no niggas owning no plastic companies putting all these bottles in the water. Right. We don't own so, we don't own not, planes. Hold on. We don't own planes that that because I'm talking about real tox tox toxicity. Oh. <laughs> You're not talking about using it in a hyperbolic fashion. Yeah, oh, I'm, talking about, about I'm talking about stuff yourself. that's affecting us as a whole on a male, on a male. When you talk about male domination, it's not black men. It's white supremacy. This male domination, this 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 oh, domination yeah. of the world in this paradigm of cavemen with technology all we're just living in a world of cavemen with technology oh yeah and you and 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 a man a real man you can't even see a real man how you gonna know what a real man is if you're not put in a situation for a man to actually prove himself to be a man you never seen nobody people eat chicken every day and ain't nobody killing no chickens if if you're rating manhood on how much i got in my bank account that I, all I have to do is concentrate on that. I could be weak, jealous, anything. As long as I get this money, though, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be considered a man. That's the mentality. That's what capitalism built. It's like, okay, I don't have to really be a stand-up person with principles. As long as I get this money, I get the first say. So you're gonna laugh at my jokes. Mm. You're not gonna li- really laugh at the. That's what's really funny. You're going to laugh at my jokes because if you don't laugh at my jokes, I'm going to fire your ass. Talking about toxic toxic masculinity. Yeah, right? toxic masculinity. Toxic yeah. masculinity. Um, when you're talking about sociology, uh-huh. you're talking about how behaviors affect people. Right. That's the word they use right. is toxic. Let's say we're not using that word, mm-hmm. right? Let's say we're eliminating that phrase from our from our lexicon, right? right? Um, do you not agree that women suffer at the hands, black women suffer at the hands of black men who have unchecked patriarchy, unchecked issues with women, sure. and that if we're talking about it in the construct of white supremacy, often it's that black men can be trying to imitate their oppressor, mm-hmm. thinking that if they if they control their women just like white men, white men control them, it's like the idea that we get liberated by acting like white men. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing that's real? That's the thing that's real, but I would say it is more of a wisdom knowledge uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Black men in America grew up in a wisdom knowledge culture, meaning that a lot of us had women raising us. Mm -hmm. Um, Men forced out of the house through the welfare system and dope, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, When you have, uh, and I I don't want, I I hate to put it like this, but when you have a a woman raising you, it's a feminine, it's kind of like what Jay, people got mad at for what Jay-Z said, but it's it's the truth, G. The man is the man is the knowledge and the woman is the wisdom. At least how I grew up, you know, I I, I was blessed to have a, a man in my life that was born in the in the year of 1900. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's seen it all. He passed in 1989. I've never seen this man yell before. 
You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I know what real men do. Like the men of my time, I didn't see them arguing with each other. I never even seen two men argue before in the 70s or 80s. I never seen, I only seen one, I only seen one fight my whole life of two grown men fighting. Some people might say that that's toxic though. That's not toxic. To- toxic, to- toxic to me. Because they might say that you're, if you're not getting things out in a healthy way, that is your it's not about it's not about that word, I, it's, about, it's about it's about that it's about it's different definitions of the phrase toxic masculinity i feel like i feel like when you don't doing the knowledge to me when you do the knowledge it means you process it it's not that you don't express it it's that you think about it first and you express it in a way that's not going to be detrimental to your future or detrimental to anybody around you mm-hmm. how you represent that to me this is how i look at manhood i don't know about everybody else but for me as a man because I'm still working on this. I have to work on this because I was raised. Right, don't we all? You know, yeah. about I have to raise about checking my own emotions as a man. You have to think first. You have to think. Don't be so reaction reactionary to stuff. Because you do the knowledge. This is kind of like smoking a blunt. It's like that yeah. time, you know, you smoke a blunt before you about to go do something stupid. Like, no, I'm not about to go right. through that dumb ass shit. Right. You got to do the knowledge. And so to answer your question, yes, women suffer from that. But, but that's coming from... Deep rooted shit too, because right. it's. I don't blame women or men as a black man. I can't do that because it's like it go hand in hand. I'm not gonna point. That's like me pointing my finger at the black woman saying, uh, "It's like dudes that say they don't like makeup and weaves all right, the time, right? Right? Mm. right? Haters. That's not my. That's not my place. Right. I'm a man. Right. I. I, I would be lying first of all if I act like I just. Did like no makeup on a woman. Right. Like I like when women do women shit. That's right. what they supposed to I do. I mean, it's like you gonna put my on a, a, job. a baseball hat or a chain. You gonna yeah, join yourself the yeah, way you want, it's not and my, nobody can tell you how to do that. It's not my job to be saying what right. a woman does, G. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. The only problem is I have the Dick Gregory thing. When that shit becomes your address, <laughs> you know it's funny. When that shit becomes your address. <laughs> then it's a problem for me because I'm like, yo, imagine if. You know, I wore like a muscle on my arm every day. That's different. And just wore it every day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, take it off like I'm going to get you sucked. You know what I mean? It'll be the equivalent of you wearing a hat and you ain't got no hair and you wear a hat every every, um, date. But it's funny that you. you said that toxic, why can I speak? Toxic masculinity is not a black man thing, is white supremacy, because that's the same thing that goes with the feminists, is not our movement. It's because not. So that like literally goes hand in hand, because feminists, that's white men doing that to their white woman. That's yeah. not our plight. See, no, I, see I, I, I gotta push back on that a little bit, because I think that um, we get caught up in what things become uh, perceived to be, mm-hmm. And not what they actually are. Mm-hmm. And if we're gonna deal with facts, like fem- feminism is the idea that women should be treated with the basic human rights, same basic human rights that men are, and treated with with same or with all things being equal, be treated equal. Mm-hmm. I think every decent human being agrees with that. Yeah, but yeah. the problem is that human beings are biased, and we live in a white supremacist world. Mm-hmm. So when you have things that, when you have feminism come up, and you have women making gains in America, right. the white women are gonna gain first. And then they're going to forget about the black women and the black women got to start womanism to be like, okay, well, clearly, you know, that movement doesn't represent all of us. But Mm. the movement, the heart of the movement, I think we can all jump on board with. I think we can all jump on board with, you know, being compassionate about other people's lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, yo, man, first of all, I grew up a player. 
<laughs> and if you grow up a player, one of the things He's you the know first is feminist that, player in history. No, I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> to be a player, you gotta. You, women, you I got taught by that. women how to right. be like this. So, you know, I let the woman run the whole show, bro. Like, right. handle it. You know, uh, they smarter. They because that's their inst- they have instincts for what that's they the wisdom. Do. That's the wisdom. Yeah. They are going to apply what you really know, and a woman is going to. Uh, check you she's going to make checks and balances on you to better you so mm-hmm. you can be the foundation if she's being the wisdom the problem is is that like 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 the homegirl jazz said is when they start taking on the wrong fight like yo that ain't your fight it's like i i have arguments all the time with women that's having these gripes about shit that don't have nothing to do with us as a people mm-hmm. like right. you're talking about some shit that don't have nothing to do with black people mm-hmm. like you 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 still you still talking about this fight that I don't know no niggas that's doing that. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? I'm like, unless you talk about the the most male chauvinistic thing I ever seen was gorilla pimping. And I because the reason why I say gorilla pimping, because even in the pimp and whole world, the woman runs that shit. She has to choose. Mm-hmm. If a man is forcing a woman to do that shit, that's not pimping. Mm-hmm. That's kidnapping, da 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 da. Real pimping, I know this sounded ignorant, but I just got no. I, it's not I because, come from the because no. But if you this talk real about shit. if you talk about real feminism, yeah. then that includes sex this workers. This is real and the, shit. And the, and, the, and the rules that surround coming sex up. The women ran that shit. The, the man was more like the protector, so she wouldn't get you mm, know muscle muscled or, or nothing. I, I, my uncles and them was pimps. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy because I, I remember being a kid. I never looked at them like they were hoes. Mm-hmm. I looked at them like they was Lola Falanas. Yeah, these women was bad in my right. house. Like, bro, right. fine. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I never, you know, the percept it's all about perception and how you perceive things. I think and it's all about America, your access to resources yeah. too. It's all about where how you where you grew up. You grew up in pro- poverty, there's different systems yeah. of getting money. And can we both agree on this? Cause I think the elephant in the room is this, man. Black people, how long we been in America now from slavery? 400, 500. So you don't think we've been influenced by mm-hmm. our oppressors? Oh, absolutely. So I'm like, yo, we're mutants. That's part of point. the problem. We're mutants. part of the problem is that we think that the path to liberation is following whatever they do. I mean, we're we're learning though, and that's what we keep saying. We need to focus on the positive because it's changing. And I say like almost every show that there's so many people in my generation that know the difference and that are going back to like I said talking to your ancestors or going back to crystals, going back to meditation. And med- even with meditation and yoga and stuff like that, things that we were told, oh, those are white people things. Right. No, those are not white right. people things. Those are things that they learned from us a lot of times. And this is what, this is how I know the world is waking up. Because when I hear people talk, I'm see, I'm not worried about the future. See, you can't defeat nature. That's why you're an artist. Exactly. We optimist by nature. We realists, pragmatic at yeah. times. But optimist by nature. Because you know, I, I just this one one of my philosophies that I had as a kid till now, I said that black people will get it, but when we get it, the the walls will be so close on our head, it's gonna be beautiful how we come out of the situation that we're in because we we've been we've been hit with this dyslex dyslexia, propaganda, all kind of illusions. So it's going to be so beautiful when we realize who we really, really are. Mm -hmm. It's like having a hundred people on you and you just going, ah, yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like talent. Yeah, like, like <laughs> that's why I'm, I like that every day. I, I know, I know, I know who we are, man. And I, I you know, I leave y'all with this, man. Whether you Buddhist, Hebrew, Christian, praying the trees, Hindu, whatever the hell you are, the black, black man, run. the black man and the black woman put you here. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you believe in. We can end it with that. The black we man don't and the end. black... No, no, I ain't talking about the show. I'm saying any argument... No, I'm, saying, I'm saying any it's argument... Not. I'm saying any argument with 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 with, uh, with, with the with the civilization, with the population of the planet Earth, the black man and the black woman put y'all here. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it mm-hmm. or not. Facts. And all your artwork shows it. Yes. All y'all do is look at the, art, the, the writings on the wall. Mm-hmm. Facts. You know, Literally. and it's not, it's not to be that we're better than you. It's like, yo... Just respect your mother and father. If if the world respected its mother and father, we would right. be in heaven right now. We're only in hell because somebody is insecure. And mm. heaven and hell is right here on earth. Wow. The person that has the power is insecure. Let me ask you this. The evolution of this sort of conscious movement, it goes from, for you, it went from Nation Islam to 5%. And when you were getting this knowledge, it was hand-to-hand, right. books, oratory skills right. you had to go to a certain city right. to s- sit with a certain true person indeed, now you have a youtube conscious community you have a community on youtube and they drop in knowledge right. and they drop into science and sometimes they even beef with each other right, right. you know what i'm saying right, right. and then we have a little conscious youtube battles and yeah. all that like can you really be building and destroying and getting knowledge if there's no checks and balances right mm-hmm. youtube it could be anybody Right, it could be anybody talking. They put the spooky music behind mm-hmm. there. They're not really having the facts. Is YouTube a viable source for information? And the second part of that is, if it is, who are the cats on YouTube that are not just on YouTube but also put the work in in the community? Mm. I mean, I think if you do the if you you do uh, the research on the people that you're studying, um, you'll find out who they truly are. Right. For me, you know, uh, you got the uh, my brother. Brother A. Rashid, you got uh, uh, Phil Valentine, mm-hmm. Bobby Hammond, uh, um, who else? Uh, it's so many people. Doc, Dr. Devil Blair, rest in peace. Um, I love Dr. Devil Blair. He's okay. just, he's just so ill, man. Um, who else? Uh, it's so many people. I can't pronounce my man's name, but he was taught by Malcolm X, and he's on 125th all the time. Comedic dude. Uh, I can't say his name for nothing, uh, but he's been around forever. It's certain people that's been here for a while. Then you got newcomers like Red Blue Pill. Okay, you know they from the hood, but they they've been doing they. they Do you have to be? establish on the ground in the streets before you get on YouTube to get respect, or can you just get respect just being on YouTube? I think you. it depends, yeah. You can. You mm-hmm. can. I've seen it happen. You can mm-hmm. get respect on YouTube. Doesn't mean that you're going to be right or righteous, but yeah, I've seen I've seen many people come on you. I've seen some frauds. See, a fraud, back in the day, you get punched in the chest. Yeah, see, see, YouTube, you could do it from the crib. And that's another thing. See, the devil knows, man. Um, virtual punch. We can't do what we used to do. We can't, <laughs> right. we can't give universal beatdowns right. no more for, for, for the fuckery. Right. But yeah, it's, it, you, got, you got some... Whole, uh, 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 Fake some uh, wannabe Dr. Sebi's out there, uh, fake polygamy, you know, dudes that just want to have more than one woman, you know, they just want to have a basically a conscious orgy. That's, <laughs> that's all they want to do. Right. But I'm not really into the whole beefing. I feel like 
we have to get to we have to understand when you're dealing with different sciences of life, you have to look at them like different weapons. You can't be like this weapon is better than this weapon. It's like no, this weapon is for this weapon. Like in Asia, in the in the the, the arts world, the martial arts world, s- certain swords will be built to combat other swords. Like okay, they've been killing with this sword. Right. Now I got to make this sword that grabs that sword and yanks it. You know what I mean? So you have to look at each school of thought as a different piece of the puzzle. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, right. But it all, you know, you know, Kwa, it, African history is the, one of the most strongest histories that, where you're going to get the real truth from. All the other stuff becomes Broadway plays after you learn African history. It's like, oh, right. no, that was just a Broadway play for this right. in, the, in the bush. You know what I'm saying? Right. Th- that's what real, real, having real knowledge itself, that's what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. It, it takes the, the hocus pocus off of everything like oh because you know back in the day if if, if i lit a mat if i started a fire that was magic mm-hmm. to some people right technology it's technology yeah. so you know african history man is all is 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 the the key factor you know but all of these things will lead to it if you you know being real is you you are how jay said you you man you was who you was for you got here man right. fake people are just gonna be fake people right copycats get on Creators stay on. <laughs> Word is bond. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Dr. Sebi earlier. Right. You and my life were early in Dr. Sebi. Right. Now the community I come from, his name has been, he's been around, you know, rest in peace to Dr. Sebi. He's been around for a long time. Right. But beyond him just being around, like before, you know, left eye, right. you would talk to me about Dr. Sebi yeah. and you would try to get me to watch his videos. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Tell us about Dr. Sebi for people who don't know who he is. Man, Dr. Sebi, man, was the the food. I call him the food guru. I call him the food five percenter too. You know, he he was the 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 nutritional five percenter for me. Why? Because Dr. Sebi was he didn't like the word holistic. You know what I'm saying? He was about it's just being electric electric food. He was like your your leaders failed you if they're not teaching you what to eat. Then what the hell are they talking about? You right. know what I'm saying? And, Yo, and that dude, just to be around him, he was, his energy, you could feel the energy coming off this dude, man. Like, even when he spoke, it was like Buster Rhymes at 70 or something. His voice was just, <laughs> right. Sebi could be, Sebi could be outside and say something and you can hear him clear right. in here. He would do his calcium test, banging his uh, knees on the ground. He was just a one of a kind, man. I was blessed to be around him and chill with him. It's, it's, it's messed up how, uh, how that went down with Dr. Sebi. I think about, you know, it's crazy. I think about Sebi at least once a day, man. Mm-hmm. I think about Dr. Sebi, like, his knowledge opened my eyes kind of like the book The Alchemist did. Oh, um, that's an amazing book. Yeah. Uh, teaching, me about, Palo teaching me about hybrids and, and natural foods. It's stuff that I don't even want to, I, I don't really want to talk, deal with because I know it's, it's people call ups, it, but people call it pseudoscience. But I'll say this. Take it as you want it. AIDS is a hoax. Um, it's an umbrella. It's an umbrella for uh, immune de- immune deficiency, meaning that any part of your body can be messed up. You know what I'm saying? And and it can go under the umbrella of AIDS. Uh, and I think that's why they killed Doctor Sebi because he was that was getting out more. He wasn't really just coming out saying uh, AIDS ain't, ain't right. real. Cause you know it's danger behind that, but 
they killed him, man. Uh, I know that they killed Dr. Sebi. They they definitely killed Dr. Sebi. And, and, and to be so disrespectful to make it seem like he died of pneumonia, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was just like, between Dr. Sebi and Nipsey Hussle, them things just... Right, and Nipsey was doing a documentary on yeah, Dr. That, Sebi that at the just, time. That just makes me... It's like I can't even find nobody to hurt. I be wanting to hurt somebody, but I can't hurt nobody because mm-hmm. I don't know who to aim at. You know what I'm saying? Sebi was so important, but... We have people that have all this knowledge. So you didn't kill Sebi. No. It's still here. You know what I mean? The, the the cure is still here. And the cure ain't nothing but knowledge. Knowledge is the cure for all diseases. Food cures everything, man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's only one disease, and that's mucus. Mucus is the killer. It's just where where it's where the mucus is placed in your body mm-hmm. is what they diagnose it as. You know, if you have mucus on your spine, spine, spinal laryngitis. If you have compressed mucus, it's a cancer. If you have uh, mucus in the brain, brain tumors and whatnot, you know what I'm saying? Uh, When people have AIDS, they die of wherever a mucus, like Eazy-E died of pneumonia. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people in the 80s were dying of drug, they were dying of the uh, results of a drug called poppers. See, Mm -hmm. people don't know this. In the 80s, that's why it got labeled as a gay disease. It wasn't, it ain't even, a, it's not, it had nothing to do with that. It's just that gay people in the 80s were doing this drug called poppers and they were breaking out in these lesions and mm-hmm. poppers destroy your immune system. And the uh, CDC needed a plague because mm-hmm. they had already cured polio. They didn't have no plagues to cure, so they were about to be out of business. So they needed a plague. Mm-hmm. So when the 80s came, they had to. Now, I don't mean go out there and start raw dogging everything either. Yeah. Right, right, right. Because you're still catching. You're well, still you still catching. Qualify disease. that. You can get a drug now that can protect yeah. you. You're from still catching disease. You know what I'm saying? But um, it's it's just it's it's weird how how they can name some stuff. And then they had a documentary with real doctors who were saying that it was fake. You know, they one dude had broke out. He had a, he had broke out with some kind of rash. You know, the name of the documentary. <sighs> I don't remember. It was something about the CDC and the AIDS being a hoax. But it was some doctor. He went to he went to the doctor and they, he had got a, a test. They said he had HIV. But he him being a doctor, he knew what it was. But he went to another doctor and that doctor told him the same thing that he said it was. And he cured himself of it. Mm. But, it, you know, like a lot of people in Africa, they're, they're dying under the umbrella of AIDS. Mm-hmm. But they're dying of hepatitis C and B because they eat a lot of goat. And goats carry hepatitis, see, and they, and they die. They're dying of eating goats. And not only that, when you're starving, a lot of people are dying of malnutrition. A lot of people in Africa just died of malnutrition under the umbrella of AIDS. So when you would see like those pictures with like Ethiopians, real skinny with big poked out bellies, mm. they would drop milk and rice and right. cheese from planes. Right. And it would drop on the ground. They would be picking it up off the ground, eating it. Right. And right. that's why you would see people with big bellies and skinny. Right. Sebi explained all that that's to That's why me, in, the, in the hoods and poor poor areas, people get obese. And people mm-hmm. associate obesity with having too much. But it's, exactly. it's not it's, having the right food. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people die dying over hepatitis B and C under the umbrella of AIDS. Doing these shows, mm-hmm. um, we've done a lot of MCs from the West Coast. Right. Because we're here in LA. Right. And what I've <laughs> noticed is... There's two family trees that dominate. Mm. There's like a Cypress Hill family tree, mm. which is like evidence and right, right. House of Pain and, you know, right, right. this vibe. And then there's the NWA family tree, right. which is like everybody else. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? You are like an L.A. transplant. Right. 
where do you fit in these family trees? Nowhere. Okay. <laughs> you got to, I mean, you got to put me with the Wu-Tang. Okay. I'm just On the rap post. Yeah, you got to put me with the Wu and the Nas's and the Tragedy Qaddafi's, man. Yeah, shout out to Tragedy Qaddafi. That was the first it, rap yeah, dude I met. Yeah, I, I came up under that. Because, like, for me, Tragedy is, like, what I looked up to as a kid. Because I was like, oh, he's a kid rapper. I was like, I rap too. And he was, you know, he was 16, I was 13. So I'm like, that's what I, that's what I want. If you, Black I'm Proud video, that was me at that at, in that era. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I always looked up to that. And then it, you had other stuff that I looked up to, like Richie Rich. People don't know Richie Rich from the 415. Bay Area. Richie Rich. Shout like, out to the jackets. Yeah, he's, you know. But Richie Rich is like the first street. He's like my first young Jeezy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's like the first rapper that I know to go to the feds. Uh, uh, first independent rapper I know that had like a popping single out. He had a, it's crazy. He was a street dude that had an anti-drug uh, song. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, right. That's what that 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 was. That era was just different. You know what I'm saying? It was like all of the dudes that did street shit had anti-street songs. You know what I'm saying? So it was like him. It was a group out of the Bay Area called El Man Posse. You might not have ever heard of them because uh, one of the artists passed named Cool Nut. He had a uh, song called Scandalous. I used to love El Man Posse. They was like, if you was to mix, uh, if you was to mix Public Enemy and, um, if you was to mix like Public Enemy and NWA together mm-hmm. with the sounds, hot, like they, they sound was just like way ahead of its time. Uh, then you had, uh, I, Too Short is a big inspiration of mm-hmm. mine. You know what I'm saying? I got to see Too Short in 86 with Run DMC. And not only that, it's just Too Short taught me the fundamentals of rap. A lot of people only know about the nasty version of Too Short. They don't right. know about the MC side of Too Short. Right. And I was into, I was just as much into the MC style of Too Short, the party rocking Too Short, B-Boy, Coke era, Too Short. You know what I'm saying? So my tree... And if you was to go on the West Coast, mine's is hieroglyphics. Mm, I'm yeah. a hiero baby. I sold clothes to two short ones. I'm a hiero baby. <laughs> I did. I mean, let's 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 just to yeah. make the hiero man. I'm a hieroglyphic baby. Yeah, as, I'm from that. I'm from Northern California. As Opio and and Tajay and them, like when I was coming in the game, like we yeah. saw them on TV. We right. saw that's when you lost yeah. on yeah. the East Coast. We was like, well, we got to go find them niggas. That's my tree. Okay. And when I say that, I mean literally because I've been on them since the tenth grade, and by coincidence. A guy that was a part of my crew, schoolyard, um, Billy, we call him Billy White Shoes. He lived three houses down from Casual when he and he because he's from Oakland, but he ended up living in Fre- Billy ended up living in Fresno. And when Hyros came out, it was, he was like, "Yo, them my boys." I'm like, "What? You got to introduce me to these cats." Right, right. He takes me to Casual's house right. when they first came out. So for me, I'm sitting here like, these right. dudes got a record deal. They they just as big as Kanye away. West. They right here. Yeah. I'm like, wow. You know, I wear a lot of Nautica. They were the first dudes I seen <laughs> rocking Nautica. I didn't even right, know right. what that was. I'm like, because all we oh, wore was man. low. I'm like, yo. I'm like, yo, what is that? Like, I'm like, that, it looked like polo on steroids. What is this? Right. You know what I'm saying? Based and, on a true story. Wait, yeah, this is only facts, man. Yo, Folks. shout out to Hyro. I have to say that, yeah, man. man. Shout out to the Hieroglyphics, man. Hyro Emporium all are day. my foundation. I remember me and my boy Foof was sitting. I ain't gonna never forget this day. Me and my boy Foof was sitting on a bed rocking to uh, this college radio station and Burnt came on and we knew from that point we were going to make it. Yep. I was like, yo, I'm, I can make it out of the West Coast. I was like, these dudes from the West. Well, I gotta say, man, there's not a lot of lyricists that 
I look at and I'm like, I don't know if I can get him. <laughs> <laughs> Planet Asia is one of them dudes. One love, man. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Planet Asia. This is the People's Party. Give it up for Planet Asia. Uh, Gold chain on. Yes, sir. My brother Colleen Green, my cousin from Brooklyn. 